All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Thursday edition of the Yard. I told you guys on Monday we'd have a bit of a shakeup on the midweek broadcast. So here we are. As you guys are well aware by now, we did not play baseball on Wednesday night. I think it was probably the right decision not to play on Thursday, too, considering the the potential fatigue that this would have, a midweek game. A little bit closer to the weekend, I get, that helps you play in four days. And you turn right around after a couple of days off, and you're back in Biloxi for a couple of days, and you're right back here for Arkansas. We know how important that series is. And so I, I get it. I understand it. And so um, if we had been able to play last night, you know, uh, Harding would have been on the mound. I think he did well last week and, and probably will be a factor in the midweek. Probably get that start in those important midweek games. You know what I'm saying? When you play Southern Miss, play Ole Miss. I suspect it'll be him, but we didn't play. It will be postponed. It will be uh, played at another time. Once we have that information, we'll share that with you. 
I'm eager to see some baseball again. I'm eager to see some winning baseball again. It seems like it's been a long time. It's been a week since we've seen the Diamond Dogs in person uh, here at Duty Noble. They will play Quinnipiac this weekend. We'll preview that series tomorrow. Today we're going to talk a lot about basketball, kind of give you some updates on some recruiting things. Uh, I'm just going to give it to you how I see it. And it's one of those things, too. I, I never really understand how things are uh, are received but uh, I, I don't say anything in hopes of being popular. I, I say things in hopes of being right. I'm not going to tell you what I think you want to hear uh, just so you feel like that we're, we've got some commonality or whatever to validate our collective opinion. But it's probably been good that I've had a 24-hour break to kind of contemplate where we are after the loss at South Carolina. Uh, it's very easy to get wrapped up in emotion. I was in Destin, Florida at the legendary Hogs Breath Saloon right there on Highway 98 with some great Bulldog fans down in Dustin, Florida. Had a great time. Sold some books. We got in the car and came back. But I'll tell you, I, I was um, I was very disappointed in the ball game. And of course, listen, let's be honest about a couple things. We get down 31 to 13 in that ball game. I think everybody, including yours truly, said this is it. But that's not what happened. The team didn't quit. You know, we, we can point to a lot of a lot of things that are that are not perfect about this men's basketball team. But I think it is safe to say that, that the dogs won't quit. And uh, and to be honest with you, that 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 really speaks to Ben Howland. You know, he he's running us difficult circumstances. It would have been very diff, very, very easy down third down eighteen points on the road in an emotional ball game against a team that has been very, very difficult for us to match up with in recent years to say, you know what, it's just not our night. But we didn't do that. And I don't know that uh, maybe I feel as negative about the impact of that loss today that I did yesterday. I think there's still a path. I think there's still a possibility that we get in. And I know right now people, some people are looking at their radio and shaking their heads like, Steve, I don't see it. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's a probability, but it remains a possibility. And, and I think it's not as simple as uh, having to win the SEC tournament. So we're going to talk about some of that. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Love going in there. Love the family. Love the people. Love the atmosphere. Love it all. You need to go by and find your own favorites. And uh, yeah, I, I, what I'm hearing from the wait staff there, the Bulldog Burger Company nachos are a huge hit. Huge, huge hit. Go buy, have them for yourself. And listen, I, I think you still got to get them in addition to the spring rolls. And what's life without a little whimsy? It's okay to have two appetizers. You know, we've got we've got a bigger family than most. But uh, even when we go just the four of us, I like I like to have a variety. You know, and so get the spring rolls, but try the nachos. Try the new. Ask about the specials because there are some off-menu specials that are going to kind of graduate onto the new menu. Go ahead and check those out because many of you are veterans of Bulldog Burger Company. Maybe you haven't had anything new. Maybe you found your favorite. You stay in your lane. Let me encourage you to get out just a little bit. You may find a new favorite. Bulldog Burger Company now with two locations to serve you always. The original right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas. But now in Gl on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Two great locations to serve you. Bulldog Burger Company where the people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's jump right into it. Uh, a very disappointing loss. Disappointing loss. And, and it's really kind of a home-and-home home split between two teams that are are pretty comparable. I, I, I would think, you know, if we had to go ahead and, and um, 
if we're picking teams, I'm probably going to pick more of our kids than theirs. But uh, you, you, you got to tip the cap, man. I mean, they're a very physical basketball team and, and uh, one that gives us some trouble. But I think at times they kind of bring out the best in us, too. An 83-71 decision, not at all what we had hoped for at all. I remember looking at the crowd on TV thinking, you know what, it's not real packed in there. They, they announced an attendance of 10,889. I don't think it was anywhere close to that. And when I saw that, that, that there wasn't, you know, a near-capacity crowd there like there was for women's hoops, I thought, well, maybe, you know, that'll help us a little bit. But to their credit, they were very active in the ballgame. Reggie Perry, you know, has a good night. One of the things, you know, maybe I'm in the minority here. I get a little tired of some of our fans kind of beating up on Reggie Perry. I think Reggie Perry's played hard for Mississippi State. I think Reggie Perry has played and given Mississippi State an NCAA tournament. I don't think Reggie Perry is a, is a selfish player at all. Now, I don't think that he is a, a dominant player that can carry you down the stretch like maybe some of those guys, you know, he's not a – it may not even be a Charles Rhodes, but he's not one of those guys – that, you know, in the final five minutes of the game, you run your offense through exclusively just because you know he can go get you a basket. But this is a guy that is consistently putting up big numbers for Mississippi State. 17 points, 16 rebounds, despite playing through some really ticky-tack foul trouble. I, I don't think Reggie Perry gets enough of the superstar treatment by the officials in the SEC. There were a couple of fouls that were called on him that I thought they were pretty horrendous. Despite that, despite the fact that he plays just 26 minutes of action, he puts up 17 and 16. And I thought down the stretch, and we're mounting the comeback, he was the driving force behind that. And he was the guy skying for every rebound, boxing out, and that's with four fouls. I thought he played well. I thought he played well enough to win. We didn't have enough around him, perhaps. Didn't get enough of a contribution from the rest of the lineup. But I thought Reggie Perry played winning basketball. Robert Woodard, 11 points, four rebounds. And, and I'll be honest with you, we need to get him more involved in the offense. You know, Robert missed a couple threes, but, uh, you know, Robert's a guy that, you know, we're expecting big things from. And I know a lot of the NBA mock drafts have him ahead of Reggie Perry. I kind of agree with the consensus opinion over on Gene's page that I, th I think Robert Woodard will come back. I think he will put his name in and, and pull out. But I think he needs to come back. I think he will come back. I think he will be a star on this team next year. He's a rising star now. Nick Weatherspoon, nine points, three of three from the line, 0 of two from three, and three of 11 from the field. We, we got to get a little better offensive production from Nick. We do. And there was a stretch there. He was as good as any point guard in the league. And I don't know if perhaps people have adjusted, you know, that he's played a few games with us, you know, that they have uh, kind of scouted him a little bit to kind of find out how we're utilizing him in the sets. But, uh, we need a little more offensive production from him because, you, you, you know, and I mentioned Abdul will do. For what he does, Abdul is outstanding, but he's not a real scoring threat. And so when you're already kind of giving up points at the five spots, you got to pick it up elsewhere. So we can't have Nick be a single-digit scorer consistently. DJ Stewart started 30, 30 minutes, just two points. I don't know if it's a matter of uh, he just has, has having a bad night or a bad stretch, but one of seven from the field. I don't know that he's really looking for a shot right now. And maybe people, again, are kind of adjusting to how we're utilizing him. But, uh, you know, still one of the better athletes on the team. I think that he is going to eventually play his way into some big things. Tyson Carter, again, 
huge night for him off the bench in just 23 minutes of action, 24 points. Pulls down a rebound, also get in some foul trouble. And that's one of those things, too. There were a couple fouls on him, especially in that first half. One of them was a complete phantom call where Tyson didn't even contact the player. And uh, they give given that one there, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, you know, Tyson's given us everything that he's got. He's played like you would expect a senior to play. He has a real sense of urgency. And every time it seems that we make a run, Tyson Carter is in the middle of that, knocking down a big three. He's four or five from the three-point line. And it's one of those things now, anytime that I see him spot up on a wide-open three, I expect it to go down. But we've got to get more than two players consistently scoring. We've got to get more points from other spots on the floor. Give South Carolina credit. They get out to the big start, and all of a sudden State comes back and cuts it to two at the break. They come right out, begin to really kind of take the game to State, and then uh, eventually pull away. A little bit of an unsurmountable lead there. We couldn't finish. And we talk so much about uh, Kotsar, and uh, you know he has really grown so much as a player. But uh, he gives Reggie Perry some trouble. And I, he really gave Reggie some trouble at home here, but I think we've learned from that. And uh, we were able to be a little more effective with Reggie on offense. But, uh, you know, Coach Sarr, listen, he, he is he is a big physical guy. I don't know if he's an NBA guy, but that's a guy that's going to play basketball for a long time. Senior day for him, 20 points, plays 37 minutes, and just gets the one personal foul. And that's the thing you look at. And, again, I'm not going to sit here and blame officiating. But it's a factor. You know, when the guy that he's guarding gets four fouls and then he only gets the one, it does seem a little un- uneven. I thought Jermaine Cousinard was the difference in the ballgame, though. I thought he absolutely killed us. Ten assists, eight points, but, man, it seemed he was always around the loose ball. He was always around the loose ball. And one of the guys that I thought that was one of the most impressive athletes that I've seen this year on the floor was Keyshawn Bryant. It seemed like, man, when he got ready to go to the rack, man, it was like, look out below. But again, I think this is basically a home-and-home between two even teams. Now, so what does that loss do for us? Initially, I thought, well, that's it. The bubble's completely burst. I don't really know if that's the case. And maybe maybe I'm being a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit glass half full here just because of the fact that I think there's some teams around us that lost that had a chance to separate themselves and didn't do it. Joe Lenardi is a guy that is uh, still very well respected in our industry, and it's because he is normally more right than wrong. And so when he says that we're, we're out, chances are we're out. But we still got basketball left to play. When you look at the net, I expected to pull up the net and see that we could drop substantially, and we've, we've barely moved at all. State now 52. We were at 53. We're back up to 52. And we've talked so much about Alabama. Alabama is just one spot ahead of us now. We'd like to be in the 40s, so we're going to have to make a run in the SEC tournament. That's as simple as that. We're going to have to make a run. Probably go win a couple ball games, and then have some things happen around us. We need some more of those bubble teams to lose prematurely and give us a chance. It is a very, very slim chance, but we still have a chance, I believe, to play our way to the tournament. The first thing that has to happen is we've got to beat Ole Miss. Ole Miss not playing particularly well right now, but here's the thing about Kermit Davis. 
And those of you that know Kermit Davis, and I've spoken to several people that went to school with him and are, have known him for many years, we are going to get Ole Miss's best shot on Saturday. Their season is not at all what they had hoped it would be. And that's not, listen, nobody was expecting Ole Miss to be world beaters this year. But it's year two, and they, and they have some, some very good guard play, and that's where the game is these days. They're 15-15 and 15 overall. That's it. They had a really good stretch. You know, they embarrassed, Ole Miss, embarrassed Mississippi State and Oxford. But they had a really good stretch right around there. They, they beat South Carolina about 14 there in Oxford. They beat Florida, and then they beat us. Three-game homestand. They take care of business. And that was just after an overtime loss to Auburn and then a loss at Baton Rouge. Those are two teams that are very much in the NCAA tournament. They turn right back around and go to Rupp Arena and nearly beat Kentucky. Then they're upset, for a matter of speaking, in Missouri. And uh, then ever since then, it's kind of been a different deal. They lose to Kentucky, lose to Mizzou, lose to Alabama, lose to Auburn. Four-game losing streak kind of takes the air out of the loop. They turn it around, get a win over Vanderbilt, they beat Mizzou, and then they'll head to Mississippi State looking to close out the regular season with a win. Uh, I am eager to see which Mississippi State team shows up. It, one of the most difficult things to do in all of college sports is to put on a dark jersey and go on the road and win a basketball game in somebody else's backyard. I, I ran the numbers earlier today for a post over on Gene's page. Mississippi State, 46-7 and seven at home in the last three years. 46-7. and seven. And do you know who those losses are to? You want to take a stab at that? You're thinking in your head. Steve, I don't know for sure. I'll tell you who they are. And for 46-7, and seven, and most of those losses are just simply better teams. It's not as simple as, uh, well, you know, just home-and-home home type thing. You know, we have lost to some teams that have gone on and done some really good things. And listen, I get it. You know, it's all about winning. We want to take a, take a step forward here. He had three losses last year. He had two, two losses at home this year. One is to Auburn, who I believe is just simply a better team than us. And Bruce Pearl's did a great job there. You can say what you want to about his NCAA troubles, but the guy knows how to coach basketball. Very, very good team. And then we lost to Louisiana Tech. And that's, you know, you know my feelings about that. It's a bad loss. Now, there are a lot of people that say, well, but Steve. No, there's no but Steve. you got to beat Louisiana Tech. Last year was a little bit different. Again, we were a great team. I say great team, great by recent standards. But, uh, you know, we were an improving team. And uh, we had three losses last year at home. I would submit to you that only one of those I would consider a bad loss, and not just because of who it was, but because of the fact that it was a home game. We, we kind of avenged ourselves when we went to Oxford. But losing that ball game early to Ole Miss really – it put a bad taste in the, fa in, the, in the mouths of many Mississippi State fans because Kermit comes in here in his first trip and beats Mississippi State. And listen, we should have won the game. We didn't. They win the ball game. And then you lose to LSU, the eventual SEC champion, and uh, you lose to Kentucky. Now, there's no shame in losing to Kentucky, and that was a 71-67 to ball game. We actually played really, really well. We lost all three of those games last year at home by four points. Four points. The year before that, we drop a couple ball games and we lose to uh, 
who was it, Tennessee and, uh, and Kentucky? Is that right? Let me double check that. I had those notes around me and I can't find them right now. But, you know, my, my point being is that when you come to Humphrey Coliseum to play and we're the better team, we're, we're generally going to beat you. <laughs> it's like it's simple as that. We lost to Auburn last year. And uh, I guess it was Tennessee. It was. So, again, two teams that did uh, – no, it was eighteen, But that's two teams that were very good teams. So, when you come in here with equal or lesser talent, we're going to win. In order to come win in Humphrey Coliseum, you got to be a lot more talented than us. And that's happened, but not with a lot of regularity. You know, we have traditionally protected the home court very, very well. And that's definitely the last three years. And that's one of the things that's really had to happen. You know, the first couple of years have been how and there. We're kind of finding a sense of ourselves and didn't always protect the home court as well as we should have. And we had some young teams. That's one of the things that I think that people forget. And, and I'm one of those people sometimes, too. You know, Ben Howland comes in, and we're, we're, we're basically going into a new talent cycle. You know, because you had Gavin Ware, and you had Chicken and those guys. And then then we're rebuilding the roster. And so I.J. Reddy, those guys, you know, they get out of the program, and then we're kind of starting fresh. And you know, we need Eric Holman to step up and play, and then it becomes Q's team. But – we were in transition consistently those first couple of years. And listen, I've heard, and Bo Bounds and I've talked about this, is that in hindsight, if we're being objective, the rebuild was a lot bigger than we expected. Now, that said, I think in year five, with the, with the available talent, we should be at the NCAA tournament, and we're right here on the bubble. And there are some people that get very impassioned about all of this. And uh, one of the things that I don't like is is arguing with other Mississippi State fans. You know, we can – we can all disagree, uh, and that's one of the things that I've always found is, you know what, we're not all going to see it the same way, but we all want the same things, and that's for Mississippi State to win. And I got one of the things that I think for many Mississippi State fans, including myself, is when I look at next year, I think, okay, look at the potential losses for next year, and do you look at next year and say, hey, we're going to be a better team next year than we are this year? Well, that's to me, I think it's difficult to project that we're going to be a better team next year without Reggie Perry. And Ben Howen told us in the beginning of the season, this is Reggie Perry's last year at Mississippi State. Now, I know that he is not just flying up the mock drafts, but it seems pretty certain that uh, he is going to move on and go play. I'd love for him to come back. But when you begin to, to put these pieces together, and Tyson Carter is leaving at your two consistent top leading scorers. Nick Weatherspoon, I think, will be back. I think there was some discussion early on that he might, if he has a big year, he might go out. He has not had a year to support him going pro. But when you begin to kind of break this thing down and we talk about analytics and that sort of stuff, and you've got you know, your two leading scorers moving on at year's end, I think it's difficult to look at next year and say with a lot of confidence, yeah, we're going to be better next year. I don't know that anybody really believes that. And those are the things too. It's like, you know, okay, well, maybe we didn't, we didn't have the team we expected to have this year. And we felt like this is the year we had kind of been building for. And then many of the key pieces of this team will not be here next year. So what reason is there for optimism next year? And I'm not saying that to be negative. I'm just suggesting the question here is what evidence is there at this point to believe that we're going to be better next year? People say, well, you know, Iverson Molnar is a star and I think he will be too, but it's going to take, 
some time for him to kind of integrate into the starting lineup regularly. And there's always a talk about transfers. You remember this time last year, a lot of people were suggesting that Prince Adoro would be a, a, you know, a guy that would really help in the rotation down low. And this is a guy that can't really get on the floor. You know, Keyshawn Fazell is another guy that's kind of battled through some injuries and uh, you know, we, we, he gets in much better shape this year, but you know, we're just, we're not playing a lot rotation wise. And those are the things that when I look at this team, I begin to think, okay, sell me on next year. And that's where a lot, I think, for me anyway, I think that's where a lot of the concern comes from, is that we're not we we're not going to be as talented next year on the floor. We're going to need guys like Robert Woodard to step up and really play a much bigger role next year. But those are the things you look at and you begin to think, okay, you feel really good about DJ Stewart coming back. You think Molnar can be really good. Adu will be back, but you're not going to get a lot of scoring there. That's not his game. Your Prince Aduro, again, was a guy that people were expecting him to come in and do big things. And, uh, and again, I'm not being critical of, of Aduro, but he's played 20 games on the year. Not doing much at all offensively, averaging 1.3 points a game. Uh, Quentin Post is a guy that uh, you know, we, again, expect some bigger things from. Hadn't played a whole lot this year. He'll need to step up next year. You want to play, but there, there, there's just a lot of question marks going into next year. But again, every season is best judged in its entirety. Mississippi State beats Ole Miss and wins a couple of games in the SEC tournament, and we'll see. We need some good things to happen to Bulldog basketball. We really do. We need some good things to happen because when you begin to kind of break this thing down and look at this, you got Reggie Perry. A guy that's averaging 31 minutes a game, playing in every game, doing some big things for us, averaging 17.2 points a game, he's going to be gone. Tyson Carter averaging 14.1 point a game, and he's going to be gone. That's a lot of production. You're scoring 73 points a game, and you're going to remove nearly half of your offensive production. And again, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. But I think this is a year that uh, we needed to make a move, and we haven't done that so far. I want to remind you guys, too, Hawthorne.co. They're here to help you guys smell better, be more confident, do everything that you need to do as a man to take care of uh, your personal hygiene. Great, great body wash, great shampoo, great conditioner, outstanding cologne. Visit them at hotbarn.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. And go take the quiz. Go take the quiz just out of your curiosity. Just to go do it today. Go check it out. Take the quiz. Put in your preferences. And then they will then match you up with the products that best fit your preferences. You can get the full gift pack. Or you can just get the cologne. Or you can just get one or two of those products. Maybe, maybe you're happy with some of your other products. But I'm telling you. You're going to be so overwhelmingly impressed with the service, with the convenience, with the quality of the product. Every single day, somebody says, hey, what's that you're wearing? What's that you're wearing? Every time. I go to these book signings, and there's always people that say, hey, what cologne is that? I've never smelled that before. And it's Hawthorne. I absolutely love it. And so to give you some incentive, go to Hawthorne. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. Use promo code Boneyard and save 10% off that first order. Give you some incentive to get going there. You're going to love it. Hawthorne.co. So 
let's uh, look at the uh, the men's side of things before we get out of here uh, and talk some women's stuff. Got a little bit to go here in the show. So Mississippi State now not number four in the SEC standings. Could still get there, okay? <laughs> uh, we hold a tiebreaker over Florida. We've got to find a way to get into a tie with them. Right now, State is still one game out of second place. It's insane. But here's the thing, and I keep mentioning this because people keep saying, but Steve, we're going to be fourth or fifth in the SEC. And that means absolutely nothing to the NCAA Selection Committee. That means nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because the, the SEC is projected to get four teams in the NCAA tournament. It's not been a good year. Not been a good year for the SEC. Running down some numbers here for you. This will be the fewest number of teams that are that are in the NCAA tournament. If the chalk holds, if the projections are true, this will be the fewest number of teams since 2016. We had three teams get in. A&M, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. Those are 16. In 17, you had five teams get in. Kentucky, Florida, South Carolina, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. In 18, a great year for the league in many respects. You get Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Arkansas, A&M, Missouri, Alabama, all in the dance. That's a lot of teams. That's eight SEC teams that get in. 19, Mississippi State, of course, makes it back. LSU, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, Auburn. And now as it stands right now, it's Kentucky, Auburn, LSU, Florida. And so it has not been a good year for the league. You know, ordinarily, in a normal year, you'd say, hey, you know what? If you're in the top four of the league, you're definitely in. If you're in the top five of the league, you're definitely in. The SEC standings means absolutely nothing when we go before the NCAA Tournament Committee. It's not going to happen. It's going to be based on what we do collectively. What's the total picture? It'd be different if the SEC had had a better year this year if the SEC was doing better in the net collectively as a conference, but we're not. I think last time I looked, the only team that's anywhere close is Kentucky. But Kentucky obviously is the is the big cheese right now, 14 and 3. And then there's a lot of pretty above average teams, and then there's kind of us in South Carolina and Tennessee and AM. You know, some teams are just slightly above average. You know, we've just been pretty inconsistent. But uh we can still get in and still to have an opportunity to go win some ball games. And I think in some respects, again, you got to pick up some quality wins, but if you finish fifth, you're going to have an opportunity to probably get a couple of wins in the, in the SEC tournament. It shouldn't be in the situation we're in, but this is here we are. And there's no point in trying to do pick it all apart, assign blame. The bottom line is Mississippi State has not taken care of business the way we needed them to. And now we'll see. SEC Women's Tournament going on right now. There were a couple of games yesterday. I don't know if you guys have kept up with all of that. There were a couple of games yesterday and a couple of seasons officially over. For, you know, for, for some people, it's already been over. You know, it's just they were just kind of playing out the string. But uh, yesterday on the ladies' side of things, Auburn takes down Vanderbilt 77-67. And, and this Vanderbilt thing is, is amazing to me because Vanderbilt women's basketball used to be really, really good. They lose by 10 to Auburn, and then Ole Miss loses by 11 to Missouri. I'd like to congratulate the Lady Rebs on being the first team in the SEC history to finish 0-16, now 0-17 in league play. 
but that season is now over. You look at the tournament bracket now. It's, again, it's going to be a long day. A lot of basketballs we played. They'll tip off here shortly. Georgia and Alabama an eight-nine game. Then Alabama, Arkansas at two. Florida, LSU at six. Mississippi State will play the winner of that game on Friday, five p.m. And then eight o'clock tonight, seven p.m. Central. Missouri and Tennessee. Now, our good friend Robbie Falk will be in Greenville, South Carolina, as long as the Bulldogs are. Already on the road, uh, I believe now, he will be up there covering the Lady Bulldogs. So we'll have full coverage over on Gene's page. You can keep up with us there. But again, not a lot to keep up with just yet. We don't even know who we're going to play yet. We just know when we're going to play. I think this is going to be an interesting tournament. You know, last year was great, and not just because of the fact that Mississippi State won it. You know, I think that the run that Arkansas made last year was very, very important. I thought that was uh, surprising. Of course, they they upset South Carolina, and that's always wonderful too. But, uh, you know, I think when I look at this bracket, you know, Kentucky getting the three seed, A&M getting the four, uh, I kind of like the way this thing kind of matches up. I think there is a good chance that you could see A&M really give South Carolina some trouble. I don't know that A&M can match up in the post, but if Kennedy Carter is healthy, she is capable of getting hot in Greenville and giving South Carolina a lot of trouble. I mean, a lot of trouble. And so we'll be rooting for that. Hopefully, uh, Auburn, Arkansas maybe follows the chalk there. I, I think A&M has a chance to make this thing interesting. I really do. And I kind of like the fact that State will have Kentucky on a neutral floor. That was a ball game that uh, they played better than us. They won the ball game. And I think if, if Vic Schaefer will be able to get them up, you just got to win three games. You got to take down Florida LSU, then you beat, I, I suspect it'll be Kentucky. I mean, Tennessee, of course, could beat Kentucky. They're certainly capable of doing that. But I like our side of the bracket. I think we have a chance to get to, to get to Sunday. And then we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. You know, we've been a little, you know, uh, Jack one hot at times too. But we've got a chance to, to really make this thing competitive. And then we know what we're going to do next weekend. We know we know what's going to happen. We're going to be hosting an NCAA regional here if things follow the expectation. That's what we hope to do. Uh, but, again, I, I'm eager to see what happens today just because of the fact, you know, the, the chalk in these women's tournaments usually holds. That's why that run from Arkansas last year was so unprecedented, them running the championship game. I think Chelsea Dungy is a different player this year. They've kind of bulked her up a little bit. And uh, I don't know that we'll ever have anybody have a tournament quite like she did last year. She was incredible. It was fun to watch. I mean, if you're just a fan of the game, and you don't have a rooting interest in every game, and you just kind of want, want to watch for the love of the game, I think you have to appreciate what she did last year. And I, and I think, again, she's capable of putting that team on their on her back because she's got more complimentary pieces this year. They're going to bomb you from outside, absolutely for sure. But, uh, again, we'll find out later today who we're going to play, and then uh, we'll uh, adjust accordingly. And I really look forward uh, to seeing the ladies play on Friday. Now, uh, what's interesting, too, about Mississippi State's situation on Friday is you get that primetime game, and so you don't have to bother with the nightcap. That's one of the things, too, like we talk about SEC tournaments and that sort of stuff. When you play at night over and over and over again, then you begin to kind of adjust. It gets to be a long tournament in a short amount of time when you've got to play on back-to-back -back days. And so 
I think playing early gives you a chance. You get the ball game done, you get in bed, you get up and go play tomorrow. Again, very interesting. And I think we're going to be pretty happy once we get into the NCAA tournament. But again, I don't think this is a team that's capable of contending this year unless the matchups fall just right. But based on the bracketology from Charlie Crane, I think State will get a favorable first two games and you get a chance to get to the Sweet 16, and then anything is possible. You just simply never know what's going to happen. You know, this time last year, I think a lot of us were thinking, you know, we're the top rebounding team in the country, certainly in the SEC. you got Andrew Howard and, and uh, Tierra McCowan. Nobody can really compete with us on the glass, but we just did not have an outside threat. And now all of a sudden, as Mississippi State hits the stretch run, you begin to develop an outside threat. you got Matharu speaking up now, kind of saying, you know what, I need more minutes, coach. I'm going to knock down shots for you, coach. And now all of a sudden the spacing's a little bit different on the floor. Now all of a sudden you've got to respect that longer shot. You've got to get out there and defend the three, which will open up some things for Jessica Carter. You remember a couple of years ago, Big Schaefer got into the NCAA regional and uh, completely changed the lineup and had Victoria Vivians coming off uh, coming off the bench and really kind of messed with other people's rotation. You know, because all of a sudden you, we survived the first couple of minutes and then uh, they decided to make a rotation and all of a sudden we bring Victoria off the bench and I uh, got some more favorable matchups and she still played starter minutes. But it's a similar situation now because you just when you think you've got Mississippi State kind of figured out, all of a sudden, Matharu starts stepping up and getting more minutes and making bigger shots. And now all of a sudden, the scout on the Bulldogs change. And I, I think that is important. You want to be playing your best basketball this time of year. She has kind of grown into that. And so as we saw with Jordan Danbury a couple of years ago, you know, down the stretch, you needed somebody to kind of step up that maybe hadn't been part of your identity and help prolong the season. And that's what Jordan Danbury did. And quite frankly, I think we should have won a national championship against Notre Dame. And I know you all do as feel as well, but a big part of that was Jordan Danbury. Maybe, just maybe, Matharu can follow in those same footsteps uh, and do a good job in that respect. Looking at the recruiting side of things, you guys who are well aware saw your Robertson was here over the weekend. Uh, Paul Jones, my colleague, has already put in a crystal ball pick for Sawyer Robertson to come to Mississippi State. Now, Paul has spoken directly with Sawyer. I've spoken to some sources in and around the situation. There is a lot of optimism right now. Right now, State got the bump needed and expected from an unofficial visit. There are a lot of times, you know, guys come in and you know, think, well, you know, it's just the place I thought it was, or, you know, you know they don't have a dipping dots here, whatever. But this is a guy that had been recruited for some time by Mike Leach. And, uh, you know, Sawyer Robertson grew up, you know, as a young guy in Lubbock, Texas, when Texas Tech was uh, throwing the ball over the place. And so there is already some intrigue and interest in the Mike Leach offense because of his youth. And then he followed Mike Leach's career, and then Mike Leach began to follow his career. And so there is a connection there. And so we're not in the game with Sawyer Robertson if Mike Leach is not the football coach here at Mississippi State. That's one thing that I pointed out earlier in the week is that it's interesting, you know, for two years we've been thinking, okay, Mississippi State and Ole Miss will probably split Luke Altmaier and Ty Keys. And as it stands today, it looks like neither one of them will be at an in-state school. And that Mississippi State has a chance to sign two quarterbacks from Texas. You just never know. 
recruiting's often like a soap opera. You know, I mean, just when you think you've got it all figured out, there's a plot twist. But Sawyer Robertson being here is big. If they can sign him, it really legitimizes Mike Leach right here as the quarterback coach at Mississippi State that he is going to be able to recruit a better brand of quarterback to Starkville. And I say that with as much respect as I can. I don't say that to be negative about any of the quarterbacks that have been here. But quarterback recruiting, even when Dan Mullen was here, was a bit of a mystery. You know, we had trouble even after the Dak Prescott affair. You know, when Dak came in here, people forget Dak Prescott committed to Mississippi State as a two-star recruit. People forget that because it was one of those things that uh, he didn't have early interest from LSU. And so because of the fact that he didn't, everybody figured, well, he's not any good. Because how could a Louisiana kid be any good and not get an offer from LSU? That was the thinking. It was wrong, but that was the thinking. We didn't get him a three-star until after his senior year, despite the fact that we had good film on him. And so Dak comes in and elevates Mississippi State to places we'd never been before. And there were a few doors that were open for us, but we did not recruit blue-chip quarterbacks consistently at Mississippi State. We'd go out and offer them, but we couldn't get them on campus. One of the biggest quarterback gets in the last decade, of course, is Garrett Trader. He's a guy that we had to beat several schools for. Joe Moorhead goes and gets him because of a pre-existing relationship. This is a similar situation. Mike Leach has a pre-existing relationship with Sawyer Robertson. And so if we're able to pull that off, I think you begin to kind of stack quarterback classes together because I think Will Rogers is absolutely capable of running this offense. Mike Leach thinks so too, which is why he recruited him to Washington State. Couldn't get him. He signed on with us. But when you begin to think, okay, Garrett Schrader, Will Rogers, Daniel Greek, Sawyer Robertson, that quarterback room starts to look a little different as far as a skill set standpoint. You, know, you start getting a lot more of these down-the-field throwers. You start getting a little more quarterbacks that uh, kind of are pass first. And listen, under the Dan Mullen scheme, we needed some guys that could handle the running component of the, of the offense. That's not really the case so much now. We're not going to put the quarterback in harm's way quite as often as we did uh, under Dan Mullen and even Joe Moorhead. So you're going to go out and get more of those air raid type quarterbacks. And again, I think that's the, the direction that we're heading. And I think everybody feels really good about that. But if you get Sawyer Robertson and Daniel Greek here, you have done exceptionally well. And that's a quarterback room that's in kind of in, in transition. I think once we get through the spring, there, there will be some guys leave. There will be some attrition. And that's, that's okay. You only get a short time in life to play ball. And, and there, listen, there are going to be some departures at Mississippi State here in the next uh, few weeks anyway. There are always administrators that are, that, are, that are looking for the next step in their career. Mississippi State is not always a destination job for everybody. There are a lot of people that are just passing through on their career path, and that's okay. We just hope that they make a positive have a positive experience and make a great contribution to Mississippi State while they're here. That's happening. But there are some rising stars within our administration that are going to get the opportunity to go be athletic directors elsewhere. And that's going to happen. And that's going to be okay. Because then we're going to bring somebody else right behind them. And they'll grow and cultivate themselves. And uh, you want Mississippi State to be a bit of a launching pad for some people. But at the same time, you want your head coaches and your athletic director to see it as a destination job. But I would not want to have anybody around me that wasn't ambitious. It's not trying to get to the next level. And there's going to be some of that. And there are going to be some players that like to move on because, you know what, as much as they may love Mississippi State, they're trying to extend their playing careers. they got to get on the field in order to do that. 
And so if you're a quarterback and you don't fit this scheme, you've got to go somewhere where you can play. And it's never personal. We shouldn't take it personal. There will be people that will be panicking. I don't understand why so-and-so is leaving. I thought they loved it here. They can love it here and still need an opportunity somewhere else. That's just part of the deal. I want to remind you, too, our good friends at Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of the show, and you guys have been so great. I had so many people that have shared with me, you know, Steve, I had never been to Campus Bookmark. I'd never even shopped at Campus Bookmark online until they started advertising on your show. That means more to me than I can share. And I know that Stan the Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, they feel exactly the same way. Their business has grown. Their online business has grown because of all of you and because of their decision to be part of the Boneyard family. So let me encourage you, go by and see them, shop in person. You're going to be so happy with what you find there. They're so great on social media. Every time you turn around, they've got the newest and greatest and best things in Mississippi State clothing you know, for you guys to check out. You know, There's always, always something new there. So visit them at campusbookmark.net. We'll give you a promo code to save you some cash. You know what it is. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So I mentioned we'll be back tomorrow, and uh, we'll have a chance to, to speak with Chris Lamanis here shortly. I think there is a good chance we're going to get an update on JT again. And, and the, here's my expectation. I think that we're going to find out sooner rather than later that JT Ginn is done for the season. And that's not a big surprise. That's not going to be something that, uh, you know, people are going to hear and think, oh, my gosh, this is something that I think people have been expecting for a while. And so it will bring some finality to this year. I expect JT Ginn to come back. I think JT Ginn will come back and be in, in great condition. That's going to, the rehab's important. You know, it's one of those things, too, that people undervalue sometimes is there is a recovery process. You know, Ethan Small had his season cut short here a few years ago, and he came back and was the first-round draft pick. I think JT Ginn's capable of doing the same thing. So we'll see what happens, but I suspect that we'll get some information sooner rather than later. It could come today, but I think we're going to find that out, and uh, Mississippi State can kind of move forward for this year. But JT Ginn is part of our Diamond Dog family, and uh, his his parents are just absolutely wonderful people. And uh, this is difficult for all involved. And so I think this is when the Mississippi State family is really at its best, is one when one of our own is a little bit down, one of our own is suffering just a little bit. Uh, those are important things that happen in, in people's lives, and uh, they need support. And so uh, when bad news happens, and when there's a minor setback or when there's a situation that requires uh, you know, somebody to have to leave the team for a short time, I think that's when Mississippi State families at its best. And so encourage you to lean on each other. We'll have a big show tomorrow. We'll look at uh, Quinnipiac. We'll preview the SEC weekend. Uh, there are some teams around our league that are struggling too. Arkansas is one of them. LSU is one of them. You know, Our friends at Ole Miss are actually playing pretty well right now, which is not atypical. You know, this time of year, but uh, a lot, a lot of baseball left to be played, and hopefully we'll get pack up some wins this weekend. But that's going to do it for today. I'll be back tomorrow, and uh, we'll have a good time together. And hopefully, it's payday for you tomorrow. It is Friday. It's a beautiful day today. It rained all morning, but man, it looks great out there now. Looking forward to some, uh, some good baseball weather here at Mississippi State this weekend at Duty Noble Field. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. <laughs>